Hey everybody, it's the Board Game Mechanics. This is episode 89. Those of you who are only here for the top 100, that's two weeks away still. But it is only two weeks away. With me, as always, the other 100 to my 100 is... <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? It is Jason. <laughs> yeah. I, are you stoked, man? I'm pretty stoked. Dude, I'm pumped for the top 100. I just, I'm working on my first video for my 200 down. And that should be dropping later. So, yeah, I'm getting pretty pumped for, to talk about those good 100s. Yeah, I think I've got my first 30 of the next 100 up already. Um, I've only gotten grief about one game so far that it was like, why is this game so low? And that game, Pandemic Iberia. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw I mean, that. I, I just don't like Pandemic that much, to be honest. Yeah, that's true. And it wasn't really grief. It was really nice. Um, hey, real quick, while I'm thinking about it, a new way to connect with us. So if you're a board game geek person... Find our show under podcasts. We're on the first page. We do have a forum there. Some people have started talking to us there a little bit. So if you're not a social media person, we get that. But there's another way to hook up with us, and that's over on the forums at Board Game Geek. Uh, love it. We're connecting with all you guys so much. I feel like the last couple of weeks have been a really awesome, nourishing, fertilized growth season for us. We've We've hit some big milestones and some things are going really well for us. And we really thank you guys for your support. Uh, I mean it when I say that our, our fans are our friends and you guys are awesome friends. So thank you for the support. I concur. Uh, I, I like getting feedback from fans and answering the comments and it, it's nice. It helps us know that you guys are listening and that we're at least a couple people care about what we have to say. Yeah, for sure. Did you do you know of any good feedback we've gotten in the last week or so, Jason? Yeah, I think we got uh, another recommendation from somebody over in England. Oh yeah, yeah. I can, do you, I, can do you, I can read that to you if you'd like. Oh, that'd be awesome. I you know my reading is not. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, guy's name is Ashley, and he said, "Jason Joel, what an absolute pleasure." Hello from across the pond in sunny England. That's funny. I didn't know England was ever sunny, but whatever. I was new to board games approximately 10 months ago and was lucky to stumble into the Nobog, which is the Norwich Board Gamers, which has 850 members and meets every Monday and Tuesday with 20 to 40 people turnout. I also found your podcast and have since listened to every episode. I feel sorry for that guy. Wow. <laughs> now I feel experienced and worthy enough to say, hi, I freaking love you guys. Highly respect your opinions on most things and glad to have based on most things. Wait a minute. And glad to have based the start of my collection on most of your recommendations. I've just recommended you to the other 849 people in our group, so hopefully you might get one more listener by the end of the week. Keep up the good work, and an honorable mention would make my day, week, month, slash year. couple more things. How do I get into the Riveted, which I'm pretty sure we took care of already. And I might be heading over to the Midwest at some point. We'd like to game. And he wants to pop in and kick some A asterisk asterisk. Bit concerned about finding out what you guys look like in case it doesn't match the doomsday prepping redneck all American good old boy image in my head. Play on players, <laughs> keep gaming. <laughs> I, th I think I mean like I don't know that Confederate bandana <laughs> you wear in all your videos. I think probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, I do love watching those doomsday prepping shows too. <laughs> Yeah, those uh, are crazy, man. They take shipping containers and <laughs> barrels of pickles. Yeah, they're ready. But yeah, that I mean, that's nice. It was a nice, it was nice to hear that and get that feedback. I don't know if that's officially the review, but or the recommendation, but that's a message that he sent to us on Facebook. So, just wanted to read that and give him a little shout out. So, thanks for listening, Ashley. You rock. 
You're a nice person. And the internet has those. I love it. So that's great. The other thing too is he was asking about how do I get into the Riveted? Uh, the Riveted is just our group. Our our We have our Facebook page, which is the Board Game Mechanics. And then if you click on groups on the Facebook page, you can find our group, the Riveted. And then that'll let you into there. Uh, there's not near as many members because it's hard to find kind of. Um, I think maybe if you go to the Riveted.com, it'll still take you there. It does. I'm not positive. It does. Um, so, well, cool. That's a good thing, I guess. Uh, but then you can just request to join and it's not hard to get in. I promise. Um, it's not, you just have to like cut the palm of your hand and bleed all over your, all your plastic minis, <laughs> then melt them down into a, uh, planchette and summon, summon the ghost of Steffenfeld. Um, I don't even think we ask a question. Do we like, what's your favorite game or anything? No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Do we? I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, do you require high quality production and content in your podcast? Yes or no? No, you're in. There you go. <laughs> yes. Uh, see you later. Very cool. No, I, we're loving it. This is awesome. And you know, I uh, when we start growing, I get super eager and want to make the thing happen and make it big. Um, but it's kind of nice just watching things unfold. And that's where I'm at. I'm going to let things unfold. You guys have done an awesome job. Everybody who shares this show, wherever you share it, like Ashley did, really does help. All the thumbs and likes and shares just are amazing. And, and yeah, we we had, I think Jason and I both had probably our biggest videos on YouTube come out uh, as far as like on release. They just populated really quickly uh, in the last week or so. Uh, so that's pretty great and just really enjoying it. So very cool. And Jason and I are even getting along. I mean, I know that <laughs> we thought we were going to have to go to couples counseling after last week, but we're doing pretty well. Yeah, we're all right. We're all right. It's not too bad. Yeah, let me take a couple deep cleansing breaths while the bumper plays and we can move into news. Okay, so news came out from Eagle Griffin that made a lot of gamers maybe not too happy, but happy at the same time. Not too happy because they might have traded or spent too much money for this game. And that is a new edition of Rococo is coming out. It's going to be Rococo Deluxe. Uh, same designers, same all that. It's just coming from Eagle Griffin this time. Although it might have been from them last time, I'm not sure. But it's going to hit Kickstarter March 2020. And I'm not sure what all is going to be different because it's just uh, an announcement so far. But it does have art and graphic design by Ian O'Toole. So that will definitely be different. And it's going to cost $125, I'm sure. It was Eggerspiel, but I don't know if Eggerspiel's ever partnered with EGG or not. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah, it was Eggerspiel. You're right. You're right. Uh, so the other piece too on this, I am super in. And when I saw it was coming in March of 2020, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, Eagle Griffin, that you're becoming aware that you need to give us six months notice to start squirreling away money uh, to afford your Kickstarters. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> Tax time. I'll be able to afford it. Yeah. Maybe this one won't be like the VTAL games, but I'm assuming it's at least going to be like 60 or 70 bucks. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, uh, and that's okay. I mean, the Vidal games are 89 bucks, and they're the deluxified. So I, if it's 70 or 80 bucks, it'll be a lot of good game in there, I think. So I, I'm hoping it's good. I think it will be. Yeah, I mean, I have the old and busted copy, so I'm good. But one of my buddies was telling me that he overtraded now that he knows that this is coming out. So that kind of stinks for him. But whatever. You got a game you wanted to play, so that's how I look at it. I, I'm hoping to find an old and busted maybe in... I don't. Well, here's the other thing too. This if if it goes on Kickstarter, Eagle Griffin's pretty quick at getting their stuff out. So on Mars, I think was maybe four months from close till 
till it being sent out. Supposedly, it's still not being sent out. So I'm guessing if this one's March, I'm guessing they're going to do a Gen Con maybe uh, pickup. I'm, I'm kind of hoping. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Essen if it's not too fast, but we're still a year out on this guy. So enjoy your copy. You overpaid for it for the next year. I'll be jealous. <laughs> true. That's true. Um, well, one, one other bump thing real quick on that, Jason, too. It's not on Kickstarter yet. That is correct. Ooh. So if you Google Rococo Kickstarter, be very careful. <laughs> be, be, uh, just be careful. Uh, because, boy, I thought they were really changing the theme a lot when I looked at that Kickstarter page. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you guys find that out for yourself. And... Yeah, um, maybe maybe after the next bumper plays or after the interview plays, we'll get Jason's reaction to that because I know he wants to Google it pretty badly right now. <laughs> I do kind of, but I'm I'm trying to contain myself. Yeah, just risky click <laughs> NSFW. Quite a retheme for this game, to be honest. If that's if that's the page, quite a retheme. So oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, but that this game, I know you love it. I know you think I'd like it if here I should have listened to you two years ago when you were like, This game's amazing and I should have bought a copy for fifteen bucks and now it's ten times that. So yep. um and I think it's probably a good game. Everyone I've talked to says, Hey, it's a great game. So I believe you guys. I just need to find a copy. Yeah, well, next year you can get a copy. Yeah, twenty twenty, March. I'll just have to put away a mere payment of six ninety nine a week. <laughs> For the next 25 weeks. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, so moving on to a more affordable Kickstarter game that's on Kickstarter right now, 14 days to go. It's called Ruins of Mars, and it's from Atheris Entertainment. And what this looks like is it's you're, you're taking a little, like, Martian vehicle. I forget what they're called, but a buggy thing. And you're going to these locations and you're taking certain actions. You're trying to get resources and cards to put on your player board to score some points. But the interesting thing is the actions move from space to space in a Mancala style. So you're going to shuffle up all the action spaces and then you're going to make other action spaces more powerful and the ones that you go to less powerful. So it's kind of a cool like, yeah, you may you may not want to do that action, but if you give it a couple rounds, you might have some more things that you can do and it makes it more enticing to go there. So if you like space games, you like interesting simultaneous selection and variable player power games, and for 29 bucks, it's a pretty good price point, I would say go check out Ruin of Mars. Yeah, uh, don't know anything about it, but that's a great price. Yeah, it is. I, it looks like a pretty decent-sized game for that price, too, which is the only reason I really wanted to put it on here, because 29 bucks for as much game as it looks like you're getting in that box seems like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I, I'm down, for sure. Uh, and I think... I don't know. There's another space game we're going to talk about here in a minute that you should probably think about too. But anyway, keep going. <laughs> All right. So the, the last game I want to talk about is from Talon Strikes. They're the company that put out vinyl, which you can see a video on our channel. And it's called Camp Pine Top. And this is on Kickstarter now, 14 days to go, $20. Um, this is essentially, it plays similarly to parks from what I was reading. So you're trying to go collect resource cards and you're going to cash in those resource cards to get like your scouting badges. And then you're going to use your scouting badges to attract campers to your park to get you more points. So it's like a light ish family filler game that 
seems like a good time. So if you like easy to play games with cute artwork, I would say check out Camp Pine Top from Talon Strikes. Cool. Uh, that's yeah. Were you on the Kickstarter preview team for this? Have you played it yet? No, I haven't played it. I I just saw it on Kickstarter and thought it looked fun. Well, cool. Hey, um, Jason, I'm not going to let you oppress it anymore. Unicorn fever is a thing, okay? <laughs> yeah, everybody on our secret, secret chat has unicorn fever. <laughs> I do, man, for sure. I'm I'm all in on that one. I don't I don't back many Kickstarters because we just have so many games we have to play for reviews and stuff. Um, but this one, I love racing games. This one seems wackadoo and zany. Unicorn fever. Uh, it's got kind of some cool packages, <laughs> so you can get the actual game for thirty five bucks. Or you can get the white package my wife made me get for quite a bit With more that than thirty-five huge bucks. Unicorn mini, is that what comes in there? Six of them, <laughs> six giant unicorn minis that are painted, plus metal coins, plus a huge cloth playmat to like make this thing jumbo. That's crazy. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun, I think. But yeah, this one's thanks thanks to a riveted member for pointing this one out to us. Um, Jason, what are you talking about? There is no secret secret group. Don't you know the first rule of secret secret group? <laughs> Don't talk about secret secret group. <laughs> so, so uh, at any rate, all like thirty members of the Riveter are gonna be like, "Why am I not in the secret secret group now?" That's true. Sorry, there is no secret secret group. F- forget the man behind the curtain. So, Unicorn Fever, I think, is dice rolling, cards playing. It kind of reminds me of Stockpile because you play like secret cards onto the unicorns, and they could be good things or bad things, and they impact your gambling a little bit. Uh, but it's mostly a gambling game with unicorns and leprechauns I, and gold. I thought it was a racing so game. It looks kind of fun. It is. I mean, like, it's a racing game, but the gambling is really the fun oh, part. I gotcha, I gotcha. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why all those racing games are fun. Who cares who wins? It's all about the gambling, <laughs> man. Yeah, this one does actually seem kind of funny. Like, the theme is ridiculous, too. <laughs> Yeah, like leprechauns <laughs> betting gold on unicorns. I seriously, yeah. How can you not be all in on that game? I, and I am. That's awesome. The other one, the other one, I think I should mention real quick. I I don't know if we've really talked about Godspeed yet on the show at all, but um, we're gonna have an interview here. Um, real quick though, before we get into the interview, uh, later after we talk about what we played, I if you don't if you click off, I get it. Like some people don't have time to listen to whole shows, or you get started and you forget but check out godspeed it's a really unique game really cool game in the interview which is coming up here i think they have a really good uh they do a really nice job of telling us about the game and i think it's really it's a great game uh by all accounts and from what it looks like it's just unique and different but i would say just give it a look it's got an amazing trailer if nothing else go watch the trailer on kickstarter um i think it looks just really neat and pandasaurus man they're they're componentry uh, it's just awesome. So I'm sure this one's going to have great components when it gets gets published. Uh, so Godspeed looks really cool. It'll have about 10 days left at the day at the uh, point this launches. And then that's what the interview is coming up here in a little bit with the creators of that game. Um, but I think it's worth just checking out. And if you don't make it through the interview, at least just check out the, the page for us because it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see that game and learn more about it. So I have to listen to see what they say. Yeah, and I'm not going to talk much more about it right now because they really go into it with some good detail. Um, so hang on, and we'll hear that in a bit. So now for the favorite part of the episode. Well, the normally favorite part, but now we have an interview, so that's going to trump this. But I'm still going to talk about games that I played because I enjoy talking about that. So the first game I want to talk about is a game that you really love, and it's called Abomination. 
I can't reach my Mike McCorney <laughs> soundboard right now to make some sounds. It's called Abomination, the Heir of Frankenstein. So I played this with Katie this week, and we played it at two, so it doesn't go on as long as it normally would with more than two. And I really enjoyed it. So if you don't know what this game is, it's a worker placement game that has a little bit of story elements to it. And you're trying to go to these places, dig up dead bodies, maybe kill some people to collect organs, muscles, bones, blood. So you can build this Frankenstein monster on your board and try to bring it to life, bring it to life. The game's either going to end if you play 12 rounds before your monster has all six pieces alive, or if somebody gets six all, piece, all six pieces of their monsters alive. So the one part of this game that I don't really love, well, two parts. One, I don't like the dice rolling. Not a huge fan of putting all that work into something and rolling some dice. And two, it's a little long. But outside of those two pieces, I had a good time playing it, and I didn't mind those things because I was playing a game and having a good time. So... Abomination, the era of Frankenstein. There'll be a video up on this sometime here in the near future. So check out YouTube. I might put one up too to cancel yours out. <laughs> you know how we'd like we vote in this country. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so uh, I I don't hate this game as much as you might think. This game is okay. It's certainly okay. Um, it's not my favorite by any means. It was kind of a disappointment to be honest because it looks pretty awesome. Um, and I heard some good things about it on initial release. And I was like, you know what? I've got con fever. So I'm going to buy this one at release. So it's got really cool player boards. I like the little dials, how it keeps track of some of the stuff on there. I really like the theme that it's kind of cool. It's kind of macabre. You're going around getting corpse pieces and stuff. I don't, I don't even mind that. It's a cool Euro take on something kind of horror and whatever. So all those things are really cool things about it, but the length of the game is really long. It, four players, it takes over three hours in my plays, and that's that's long for a game like yeah, this. Yeah, I wouldn't play this any, at any more than three for sure. And then at three, it's even like two and a half. So I, I just, the biggest thing is if the box said on it, it's going to take three to four hours. I'm cool with that. But the box says 120 minutes, I think. Yeah, it 90 does. to 120 or it something does. like that. And there's no way. I, a two-player game is yeah. pretty close to two hours. There you go. The top end at two players. So I think I want to play this one at two. I've never played it at two. It might, it might be okay at two. I still have it. Uh, the other piece, too, is like I feel like it's got this really cool Euro engine kind of thing at the, the core of it where you're doing set collection of these cubes. And there's some luck in like if you get the right corpses to come up for you. Right, but it's yeah. like you're mitigating yeah. different resources to get these corpse cubes. Really pretty Pretty clean, pretty not elegant necessarily, but just a pretty clean Euro mechanic in there. Kind of neat, interesting decisions. And then you have these weird cards pop up that just kind of do weird things in the game and add to extra like clunkiness to the game a little bit. So I could do without that probably. That's probably my biggest complaint is that the cards take time and they add extra bits of just kind of whatever. Um, and then you got to kind of keep track of your event cards too in front of you. Um, so it's just another thing. And I think there's plenty going on in this game without that. Uh, but I get what they're doing with this. I mean, Plat Hat's kind of a, a Meritrasher game company. They have got those like real like kind of narrative themed games, and this this has got that twist on it. It's got that bit to it. So I think if you're an Arkham Horror guy, or if you're uh, you know have Ork or Arkham Horror type people in your family or game group, this one might be a good way to try and get them to play a game they don't realize is just a Euro game at its core. Right. So I, th I think it's okay. It's not terrible. I don't necessarily recommend it, to be honest. 
but I don't hate it either. I mean, like if someone asked me to play it, I'd play it. Yeah, I think next time I play it, I'm going to take those um, encounter cards out, the ones that are associated with locations, because those yeah. are awful. I'm just going to put regular events in there because I didn't enjoy that part at all. So that event part I can take or leave, but I like everything else of the game. It's it's fun. Well, one of the times we played, we didn't have the guillotine pop except for one time. It popped the very first round and then it never went again. Yeah, I think we so had like, like that three. was pretty weird too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just kind of lucky randomness, too, and that's really powerful. So, if you are the person who got to the the corpse at the guillotine, or the – I think it's guillotine, right? Not, it's not the hanging. public square. Yeah. So, whatever, however they're killing people. Um, if you get to that corpse with those good, good, juicy body parts, that's pretty powerful. Um, and it doesn't cost you too much as far as your sanity and stuff goes. So, or I guess it's not sanity in this game. It's humanity. Humanity. Yeah. yeah. So I, the other piece too is, is my brother who plays games weird just cause he likes to, to prove that he can had a, uh, character that their humanity, he had a, like a card combination. And then like his character had this thing where if his humanity went off the top of the board, he got additional points instead of more humanity. So he was able to just keep getting humanity and doing humane things and playing as like this philanthropic lecturer at the local college. And that's all he did. And he ended up losing by one point. And he didn't even get, I don't think, a single cube the whole game. So, I mean, like that was a really weird play- way to play. But it gets it, it's two ways to look at it. It shows that doing all that hard work doesn't necessarily pay off for points. But it also shows that you can, you can do it. You can do, you know, play the game you want to play it. So... Uh, it's kind of sandboxy in that way a little bit. And it really does feel kind of sandboxy. You're kind of like left to do your own thing. So there's not like one definite path in this game. There's just several ways you can play it for sure. Yeah, I agree. But the good news is I now like a plaid hat game. So that's good. Yeah, that's really something. Yep. That's really something. Well, Jason, oh boy, which one do I want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about, all right, Jason, I'm finally going to talk about it. Parks from Keymaster Games. I uh, got a chance to play this one a couple weeks ago, um, and I think it's time to talk about it because I've had time to think about it. It's a good game. It's a cool. It's such a beautiful game, really just a pretty game. And the art in it's awesome. The art is second to none. It's one of the prettiest games I think I've ever played. The gameplay is super simple, super light. It's Takedo type goal on this path kind of yep. stuff with some little things that can kind of make things a little more interesting than that. Like the canteens. Like you get these canteens that kind of can turn water into other things or give you extra little actions that you can do. Um, there's some different tiles that come out in the game that allow you to possibly do an action that you've already passed if you have another person there. Uh, and it's just basically a set collection game where you're trying to get these resources based on going to these spots and then and then visit parks. And there's equipment in it, which kind of makes it neat too. It's a really light introduction to kind of player powers and tableau building uh, in addition to that set collection thing. And it's it's got a good replayability to it, I think, because the canteens are pretty interesting. They, they There's a bunch of different kinds of canteens that can come out. The gear's a little different. So you have different unique sets of gear every time you play. But then the big thing that I think changes the game up is that those tiles, you add one every round. So sometimes the the wildlife tile will come out, you know, really early. And that makes the game totally play differently than if that wildlife tile comes out at the very end of the game. You know what I mean? So um, it just changes kind of the way how you play the game uh, based on the fact that you have to do different little bits of, of uh, like planning and deciding, hey, what's available to me to do here? So um, I like the game overall. It's pretty neat. Um, the weather pattern thing is kind of cool too, that it's like you get rewarded for kind of going fast, but it's also, it kind of balances because if you take your time, 
you might get more stuff. It's just overall a really good game. I really liked it. It didn't disappoint for sure, and I was really hyped about this game. I think this one's probably going to be maybe my 2019 pick for like a family weight game, to be honest. I would agree with that 100%. It's probably... Of all the games that I've played with people who don't play games a ton, this has gone over the best because it looks the best, I think. So it's easy to play, easy to teach, and it just looks amazing. So I would agree with that. Yep, for sure. So Keymaster, you're still our unofficial, non-paying sponsor of this show. <laughs> Did your wife like this one? Yeah, she liked it okay. Um, I don't... I don't, I mean, she's, she's become a very heavy board gamer, so I don't know that she's, you know, into games this light, but no, she, she does like it. I don't know if she likes it better than Wingspan, but I think she'd play it. I mean, if I said, Hey, let's play a game, she'd, she'd, this would be in the short list of things that she'd be happy to play. That's cool. So yeah, I, I think, I think so. It's a good game. All right. So another game I played, uh, I actually played this a couple weekends ago and it's called Bunny Kingdom from Yellow. And this is a drafting game. Where you're using cards to get bunnies out on a on this board to do like some area control, grow your territories, collect resources, and just score points. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought the drafting was cool. I thought that taking a because you can take cards and do a couple different things. You can put bunnies out on the board. You can take in game cards for in game scoring, or you can build buildings. So there are like three different things you can do. The one person I played with, he spent half of like I think the first two whole rounds just collecting in-game scoring cards. So we got to like round whatever. I don't know how many rounds there are, but we were on the last round and he didn't have any bunnies out on the board. <laughs> and he still won the game by just collecting in-game scoring cards. So this is one of those games. Like the the treasure cards. Like he got the like right and left glove. Yeah, right. And like stuff like right, that. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I lost by like five and I had all my bunnies out there. I had a huge like kingdom with a bunch of towers. But it still wasn't enough to beat him in all of his in-game goal cards. So that's kind of what I like about it. There's multiple different paths you can take. Um, the drafting is fun. The artwork's really nice. The bunnies are cute. The theme is fun. The only thing I don't like is those little camp areas are pretty mean. So you can set up camp, and then if somebody gets that that location on a card, they can boot you out of camp. And I didn't really enjoy that part. But outside of that, it was a good game. So Bunny Kingdom from Yellow. I mean, you kind of know you're going to get kicked out of those camps. It's kind of like, I'm hoping to score this round by connecting these two things together. It's kind of how I view the camps. Yeah, that's um, true, I guess. I guess, yeah. So you kind of just know what's going to happen. Um, unless you get the card yourself and draft it, just to keep yourself there. Uh, had you? Is this is this your first play of this one? Yeah, I played it once. Yeah, four players. So the thing you learn about this game from first play to second play is the first time you play it, you're like, I'm going to build one huge kingdom. That's what I did, too. Yep. And get... And get like eight spires, but there's only like five different resources in the game or something like that. So you figure out after a couple of plays that if you build like three kingdoms that are all pretty good sized, they can get the five resources, five basic resources in the game or whatever they are. And then you have five times like several different spires. So it's like you can kind of get those resources to pop more than once for you kind of. So like basically what I'm trying to say is if you get... I don't know. If you can get four resources and you have, you know, eight spires, you're going to get 32 points. Right. Whereas if you can get four and four, you're going to get 16. And if you can get four and five, you're going to get you know, another 20. And then if you can get another little one even on there somewhere, you're going to get another few too. Right. So it's like you kind of figure out by having like a couple, three little clusters, you kind of sometimes do better just because it gets redundant after a while for those resources. And, and so that's kind of cool. And then the other thing too, those sky towers, man, those things like, are you talking about late in the, the game? Like connect the two areas together. Yeah, yeah those are sweet. 
those things can get crazy at the end of the game. And then there's one really broken, it feels like, maybe not quite broken, but really powerful in-game scoring card. It says, basically, score your second biggest cloister twice. So it's like, or Fife, or whatever they call it in the game. I'm like, wait, what? That's crazy. So if you have like two or three of them that are kind of balanced... Man, you can score another 25 points or something. So that's pretty insane. So, yeah, I remember the first time I played this, I was like, why in the world is there like a track that goes beyond 100 on this? And then, like, you know, on repeated plays, you get quite a bit better, I think. But it's, as far as a drafting game goes, way better than I thought it was going to be. I don't think it's an amazing game. I don't think it's a top 10 game or anything like that. But if you ask me to play a drafting game, this is on the short list of stuff I'm going to play. And of a game that, like, I don't expect much from, to actually be pretty fun and pretty good, this one's on that list for sure. I would agree. And I did actually break 100 on my first play, so I feel pretty good about that. Oh, Jason, yeah. you were awesome. I got like 130, and the winner had like 135 or something like that. Off of just in-game points. That's nuts. Yeah, I mean, I think he may, he maybe got like 30 throughout the game regular, but all the rest of them were in-game points. <laughs> that's it nuts. Is nuts, man. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, and It's cool. They have the expansion on this. I haven't played it yet. I kind of want to check it out. I just, I don't like the game enough to really want to go out and like, that's the thing with always with expansions is like, do I take a game that I already know I like fairly well and add to it? Or do I take a chance on another game that I think might be good? And I think with as good as games are out there nowadays, it's, it's hard to want to buy expansions sometimes. So unless it's really an awesome expansion. And so I don't know, I haven't looked much into this expansion. If you, if you played it, leave a comment, let me know if it's good. My wife just, my I have the door open for recording today, and my wife just looked in the door like a real nerd and gave me two thumbs up because I guess she wants me to buy that expansion. So, <laughs> does she like that game? I don't think so. I don't know. She's okay with it. I think I don't think she understands uh, it. It's um, cute though. I mean, I don't. <laughs> it is. Every time I play it, you know what I think about? I think about if you left this game, if you set this game up and played it on the floor, and then left it up like overnight and had to go use the bathroom uh. in the middle of the night. You'd have a real Home Alone situation there. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. I don't know why my brain goes to that, but those little rabbits are, are sharp. Man. Yeah, that's true. Little little pointy suckers. All right. Well, cool. Um, Yeah, that's that's awesome. I should probably talk about one more game that I played. Uh, Jason, I'm going to talk about The Gallerist. So here's the thing. I, I'm playing talking about stuff that I played a couple weeks ago because last weekend I had a real life. But then also all I played was Tapestry because I love that game. And nobody wants to hear new game is new and new game is fun. Like they want to hear about other stuff. So I'm going to talk about other stuff. Tapestry is great and it gets better, I think, with more plays. And I, I might be called to the new. I'm self-aware enough to know that maybe I am. But I really do think it's a good game. So that's all I'm going to talk about. It. I'm going to talk about The Gallerist now, which is an amazing game. And like this one was probably number 25, 30 on my top 100 list before playing this. And I'm sure it's going to go up because I really like it. I understood the game better this time, I think. I understood the the point of that track on the bottom and how it's like another type of currency that you're going to spend. Um, I understood how you need to predict where people are going to go. So that way you get that executive action, the extra executive action, or there's a way how you can use it. I forget how it is. You pay a cost and you can do the main action again. Is it you pay two tickets or something? I forget what it is. Um, but you can do the main action of the spot you're in again with the gallerist. Uh, the tickets, understanding how to get tickets and use that as a type of currency that's really important in this game. Understanding you got to get people into your gallery early. I mean, all those things that I understood on a second play that I didn't understand on a first play made it just a lot more fun for me. So, Gallerist, I had a blast playing at this time. Really fun game. Vidal Lacerda, you've done it. And this is even one of your like less loved games. It's still amazing. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. I love this game. Super fun. And I need to play this again sometime soon. Yeah, it's it's really good, man. And just I don't know that 
the fame tracks for all the artists and just everything's so good. And like how it's almost really like a stock market game where you're buying stock futures based on discovering an artist. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It's just, it could definitely have been rethemed as like a venture capitalist game and been money instead of fame. Um, but it's, it is what it is. And it's works really great with the gallerist theme too. So, um, I don't know. It's just, it's an economic game really. And it's just really clever and it's not overly rules heavy, but it's a heavy game to, to have a lot of thinking and a lot of balancing actions. Yep. I agree. Good game. Well, cool. That's what we played. So Jason, I got a chance to hang out with some guys this week. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and apologize to you guys, the listeners. These guys are are brand new to the world of uh, being published designers. Um, I think they've been working on some designs, as you're going to hear. Um, and I think they're both just really great dudes. Uh, really actually loved hanging out and talking to these guys. Like, these are the kind of guys that make me want to, like, drive and visit them. Like, because they're just that kind of friendly guys. Really loved it. And I really wish, for the sake of you guys, that our audio had turned out a little better. But I think that what happened was the internet tubes this day were pretty heavy with, with, they were clogged up. So the internet tubes had a hard time keeping up with us. So when I went to record, we lost some stuff just to that digital loss kind of stuff. But I think it's overall a very listenable episode. Um, it doesn't feel like we interact a lot because I had to cut out. There's some echo stuff going on. But I think overall, we're going to have a real listenable episode here for you guys, a real listenable interview. And I guess without saying anything else, let's get right to it. All right, I am here with uh, Clayton Hargrave and Adam Hill. I said your names backwards from what it says in the box. I feel like we should be equal opportunity, right? Um, they are the creators of a really cool new Kickstarter uh, called Godspeed from Pandasaurus Games. Really unique theme on this one. Uh, basically, Tesseracts and Soviets and stuff, it seems like. So um, I guess welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much. We're glad to be on here. Very happy to be here. Very good. Uh, man, you guys have a hot game it hit it hit like the hotness on board game geek on launch and it's really well funding so congratulations to you guys right off the bat you guys have done a really nice campaign it seems like and so i guess let's just start off like let's talk about the game because people want to know about this game let's just get right into it tell me tell me about the game here's what i know about it worker placement kind of a midweight worker placement game with some cards um and then some different kind of like workers that have different specialties and values to them and then the theme as far as i can tell is that we thought we were going to a new planet, but it was already established and settled. And so we're trying to get dominance over this planet. So I guess correct me and add out to that maybe. Yeah, uh, those are the basics. And what we basically have is um, it's an alternate history of the space race. And so some people, you know, wonder, is this set in the future or what this is an alternate history set technically in the early 70s, mid 70s, right in that area. And basically, uh, we've we did the, the the moon landing happened. But it wasn't the biggest news. We kept the biggest news secret. And the big secret is that we have found wormholes uh, to a planet called Minos, or Minos, uh, that um, this planet is able to sustain life. Um, and we are, and we, along with several other agencies uh, in the world, are all in a race to uh, develop some infrastructure and put ourselves there so that we can. Um, be influential in the future of this planet and what it holds for humanity uh, moving forward. And so to do that, uh, players will lead uh, different team members from their agencies. And so this is what you were talking about with the variable workers. Uh, this is worker placement. 
um, which is one of my favorite uh, things to work in, one of my favorite mediums to work in as a designer. Uh, and what we do is we take those workers and they are specialized. So, for instance, your team has a biologist and that biologist can do biologist actions, but that biologist cannot do the same actions that your captain can do, which would have to do with your security forces. You can Very do the cool. security stuff and your um, engineer can build buildings and help you with your infrastructure, but your engineer is not able to do the same things that your trader can do, and that's T-R-A-D-E-R, trader, not traitor. Um, this game does not, it has a lot of mechanics, but it does not have a trader mechanic. Um, and the person who is doing the trade, the trader, uh, they deal with their commerce, right? The commerce side of what you're doing. You do have an ambassador who um, has the ability to help in some of those, uh, but it's not just the wild card. It's not It's not they can do everything. Um, your specialists are all special. Every team member matters, and you're going to need to use them all wisely. Now, it's also worth replacement in kind of a meta way, uh, the, the whole game, not just during the action phase, because there's there's several phases in the round, and the first thing is called the high council phase, and there is uh, some sort of challenge or some sort of call for one of the people on your team uh, and it'll specifically mention which one. So we may need your trader. And so you would send your trader uh, to that. And once that worker is used there to respond to that, they can't be used later in the in the round. So you're now down to four of your workers. Uh, next thing you go into is a market phase, uh, which is, uh, it's the supply depot where they've brought these new shipments of uh, supplies and uh, things that are going to really help you do well in the game. Uh, those have been dropped off and players are going to have a blind auction in order to pick those up. Well, each of your uh, team members, each of your agency members has a value, what's called an influence value, and you actually bid with them. And those are variable for each team. And so my researcher, uh, my, my uh, biologist may be worth four influence and your biologist may be worth three but my engineer may only be worth two, whereas your engineer is worth four. Um, and so all of them are, have some variability to what you bid and win, and the person who wins the bid gets to choose whatever is there in the supply depot. They get to take one thing from it first, uh, and then the second place bid will take second, third place bid will take third, and so on. Um, and one of the things that's in there in addition to what has been dropped off at the supply depot is actually the first player marker. And so you can pick that up because the next phase is um, the action phase. And that's where you're actually going to do the things with your remaining workers. Now, if you sent one to respond to the high council and say you bid with two of your team members to make your bid, say, uh, seven, you sent a four and a three in influence. Well, that leaves you with two workers that you can send and they're both specialized. If other people have saved those same those same workers, then you may end up with a situation where you're getting blocked out of the actions that are most optimal for your turn. Wow. So a quick question for you, a point of clarification here. Uh, my team, your team, we're a little asymmetrical because the values are slightly right. different. I'm sure that's balanced, but is there, like would my military leader be my highest ranked person where yours might be your biologist who's your highest ranked person? Or are they all kind of the same hierarchy, but just slightly different values? Like how does that work? Um, well, okay. So everyone's highest ranked influence in influence is their ambassador. And every ambassador is worth seven. Um, they're the leader. 
but the other four team members are spread out with four, three, three, two. Okay. And those vary depending on which team you're using, which one is, which one is a three and which one is a two. And so everyone has a team that adds up to the same number. Uh, but there is variability there in the way that they bid uh, will change with each turn. Uh, and it is balanced. Um, and it's, and it's, it's a lot of fun to try and figure out what's the right person to send because you need to do this action because there are certain goals that you want to accomplish. And um, in the game, you know, you mentioned the cards, there's four different development decks and you want to develop what your agency is doing there on the planet um, effectively. And so you would use cards from each of those decks and you may have a different set of cards than someone else because you've been focusing on other things. And so it, it, it's not necessarily a bottleneck to where everyone really needs their captain and your captain is worth four and my captain's worth two. And that's always going to come back and bite me. Yeah, it's a really cool blend of mechanisms, really. I don't think I've ever played a game or even heard of a game that has the auctioning, engine building and worker placement kind of things all kind of wrapped up into each other. It's it's really a neat package, I think, uh, for sure. I mean, I would say that there's any particular element of this game is going to seem familiar to me. Like even like the auctioning kind of reminds me a little of Shakespeare and the worker placement thing we've seen, you know, a lot of places, but the, the combination. And then the thing that I love about this game, I'm really tired of games where we're trading goods in the Mediterranean. So the fact that we're doing something bizarre and different is so cool. Uh, yeah, when you say that you haven't really played a game or heard of a game, uh, like this one in terms of the way that its mechanics blend, you're kind of describing uh, us discovering th the design of the game. Because as we were designing it uh, up front and as we were kind of getting into it, um, you know, we were brand new to, to this. This is our first game we ever designed. And we kind of kept looking at one another and like, this is super unique, right? Like, are we crazy? <laughs> there are other do these things, right? And then the more we got into it and the more people we showed, the more we realized yeah, we've really come up with a way to kind of combine these mechanisms that haven't been combined this way before. And the end result is a tense, interesting, and most importantly, fun experience. Yeah, it seems like a really, really cool game for sure. I like just watching the trailer for it. You guys have an amazing trailer on your Kickstarter video, by the way. Like the tension in that little trailer of the guy getting shot through the, the wormhole or the Tesseract or whatever. That's just like, whoa, man, you guys made a sci-fi, like high quality theatrical trailer that was amazing. And then, um, I don't know, it just, the componentry, the art, everything looks really great in this package. It looks like a really well done package. And it's, it's really, I mean, it's interesting. This is exactly what I feel like kickstarter is intended to do and you guys are doing one of the best uses of it i think where it's like we have a finished product we're not giving you guys something half baked here but we really want to go all out with this thing so you, can you guys you know help us out here as, as the consumers and i think that you guys did exactly that. and the team yeah, from pandasaurus cool. is so incredible and we couldn't be happier to be working with them as the publisher when we when we made the game uh and we we're talking to different publishers and our and you know we kind of said this is the publisher we want to work with we, we really hope that Pandasaurus, you know, takes a chance on our game. And they did, and they have done such a good job with it from the cinematic trailer, which is incredible, uh, to the way that Steve Torres uh, has done the graphic design is just phenomenal. Jesse Riggle doing the art is, that's, we couldn't dream of a better artist to be doing the art for our game. Uh, the way that their whole team uh, really has come together to support this and the development with John Gilmore and John, it's just yeah. people on earth. Like yeah. 
he's not he's not just amazing at his job as a designer and a developer. Um, he's an incredible dude. Just like he's a great guy and a good friend. And we are so I mean, just the whole team at Pandasaurus is just awesome. Yeah, like uh when we when we showed our game at Unpub two years ago um in Baltimore. I remember calling my dad and telling my dad, you know, because th- this whole thing was brand new. We'd never done anything like this before. And I remember, you know, my dad is like, all right, well, um, you know, who would you want? And I, I remember t- telling him that the pipe dream, uh, the the actual pipe publisher that I would want to work with is Pantasaurus Games. And so to actually be sitting here and think back on that moment where they're the pipe dream and now they're the reality has been just um it's been an incredible experience and something that Adam and I are uh, eternally grateful for to their entire team for, for helping us bring this game to life. That's right. Dreams do come true, kids. They do. Well, there's very few games that when I got them from Kickstarter, like I was like, my wife's name's Kristen. I was like, hey, Kristen, come check this game out. It's amazing. And Dinosaur Island is definitely one of them. I'm like, look at all these components. How cool is this? So they definitely know how to do components like kind of over the top and great. And it looks like your guys' deluxe edition is going to be pretty killer as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. <laughs> yeah. So let's back up here a minute here. How long have you guys known each other? What's kind of your history with gaming? Where did you guys come from to get this put together? Uh, okay. Well, we've known each other. I don't know. Six years? I was about to say, the half, half a decade, six, seven years. Yeah. Um, and in terms of our background with gaming, uh, just me, uh, Clayton speaking, I guess, would be helpful at home. <laughs> um, me, Clayton, I am a, a video game nerd. Uh, I grew up playing a lot of video games, uh, mostly RPGs, you know, Final Fantasy. Um, you're talking Grandia, things like that. I played a lot of World of Warcraft and um, just really social uh, stuff when I got into college and video games, really story-based stuff when I was younger. And then when I got into college, board gaming to me was Spades, Munchkin, and Settlers. That's just what board gaming was, right? And so for me, my board game history um, as a whole isn't terribly deep. But then about, I want to say three years ago, Adam and I, I don't even know why necessarily, we just got closer. Um, we started hanging out more. And I remember one of the first games I ever played that felt like a real game at his place was Colt Express, which is really uh, now to think about that that was a real game to me with how simple it is. You know, it's a good game, but it's very basic and straightforward. When We just played Tapestry last night. So, you know, we've come a long way. Um, And then we just kind of started hanging out and I got into the world of board gaming a little bit more deeply. Uh, Pandemic was the first game I ever bought, um, you know, and... uh, Kind of from there, um, we, yeah, I don't know. We just got, oh, oh, sorry. I thought my computer shut down for a second. Uh, my big thing actually got off topic a little bit. Um, I'm a co-op guy. So I really, uh, Too Many Bones, uh, Spirit Island, Arkham Horror LCG. I play a lot of that stuff. Because of that perspective, Adam does not play all that stuff at all. Uh, but that perspective brought to the table when we're working together, um, it lends itself really well to coming up with some really interesting designs. And I think that that's why Godspeed is the way that it is, because we're very different people with very different backgrounds, um, which leads me, I guess, to t- toss it over yeah. to Adam. Uh, yeah, my background in gaming. Um, so I grew up in a family where we would fight over the Monopoly board like most people, um, played Risk <laughs> and things like that. I was not a huge video gamer. 
Um, I played, of course, but the things that really excited me about video games were like dynasty modes and like manager modes and simulators and things like I wanted words on the screen. I didn't actually want to play the game. Um, and so like that, the, I, I've always loved strategy and, and things like that. Uh, when it came to games, I remember when I was little, uh, you know, probably about 10 years old, I got me a copy of Axis and Allies at a garage sale. Uh, and then I played that through high school because I'm a board game nerd, uh, more than a video game nerd. And, uh, then in college, some friends of course got into settlers and things like that. But, um, I was, I was out of college when I first came into contact with the game Dominion and Dominion was probably the gateway for me into seeing that tabletop games could do more than I ever thought they could. Um, and I quickly thought to myself, man, that game is amazing. And man, I should just buy money. Uh, and that turned out to be right. They fixed it. And it is still one of my favorite games to play. Um, like and, and, and so Dominion was kind of the gateway uh, game for me that opened things up. And of course, then, I mean, the basics, same list that a lot of people have. Um, although instead of steering towards co-op, I steered towards more of the uh, Euro and definitely mid and heavyweight Euros. Um, I do a whole lot more of that uh, than I do co-op or anything like that. And so uh, that's sort of been my movement. And so when I thought about making a game, my first thought was, oh, I really want to make a Euro and I really want to make one uh, that does these neat things that combines the things that I really love in games because I do really love worker placement but I want it to be different. I want it to be fresh. And so um, working with Clayton, he brings a whole different kind of fun to the table than I do uh, because mine's more of the strategy-based stuff and he does a whole lot more of the thematic and the um, just me his, his mechanics are often really crazy uh, ideas that break everything <laughs> on the front end. And then when we finally get it to work, it's so much better, uh, but it, it's it, it's been an adventure. Um, I think Clayton and I, I think when you talked about us hanging out three years ago, um, I, I actually taught uh, philosophy and religion at the college that Clayton went to. He graduated, and then after his graduation, I, know, I don't know that I, I think I, I don't know if I ever had you in class. I don't think so. Um, but afterwards, we hung out. Uh, and so uh, we met each other through where I was working, and then... We just started hanging out and playing games together. Very cool. And, and like, I think it's interesting. You talked about how you're like largely a co-op gamer and that influence in this game. I kind of see that because in, in my like wrapping my head around this game a little bit, I've seen where it's like you're really not doing worker placement as much as you are team management because you have these different roles that you have to decide who's going to be like my bid or like thematically who's going to go get the supplies and who's going to go out and do work. And so you're managing this team kind of, it feels like, which sort of feels like you're doing the roles in a, in a co-op game maybe. And I'm totally with you. I would play Madden and just be like, I'm going to sim through these seasons and see what kind of free agents I can sign in the off season. Just cause that management part was a lot of fun for me. So hundred percent, I get where you're coming from on that stuff. And then don't get me started on tapestry. Cause I'm kind of obsessed with that game right now, but at any rate, <laughs> Yeah. No, that's really cool. So what's next for you guys? Do you have something else in the works? I mean, I know you probably want to get this one in the can first, but do you guys have some ideas yet? Or should we look for the, the Hargrave Hill team for a while to come here? Uh, well, we, you know, I know that the, you know, initial answer is we don't have any intention at this point of stopping. Uh, we like working together. We think we work together really well. Um, 
you know, and uh, right now we're working on a project. Uh, it's still in early, early design phases. It's not completely done. Uh, interestingly enough, um, we're actually making a cooperative game, uh, a thematic cooperative game. So it's a complete departure from Godspeed. Uh, it's about as antithesis as it comes. Uh, right. Godspeed is a, uh, you know, a mid to heavyweight Euro. Um, and we're making a fully cooperative, thematic, story-driven narrative experience uh, that uh, we're calling Druids, the Corruption Cycle. Um, and we think at this point, in the same way that we've done some things in Godspeed to turn mechanics on their head, we've done some things in Druids and we've turned some mechanics on their head. And uh, the stuff that we've got going right now, the things that we have baking are very exciting. Um, they're very fun. And we are we look forward to the future of that game because we think once we get it nailed down the way that we want it nailed down, we think people are going to love it as much as we do. And we're looking forward to the future of that. Um, and then uh, I'll let Adam speak on maybe that a little yeah. bit more uh, here in a second. The other thing uh, for anybody that's listening, Adam and I are, um, we're, we're working on a, um, it's really just going to be an unofficial release, uh, print and play uh, solo mode. For Godspeed. Uh, we never thought of Godspeed as a solo game. And a lot of other people thought of it as a solo game immediately and asked us for a mode. And we didn't have anything. So we talked over a weekend. We put something together. And uh, we've got some things that are really fun. Um, yeah. The solo mode is really sweet. Uh, but it will not be officially released by Pandasaurus, at least not now. It's not going to be part of the campaign. It's not going to be a stretch goal. It's not going to, you know, you won't see it on the Kickstarter page. But we are going to engage with the board game community through BGG, eventually come out with like a print and play, maybe have people test it with us and see what they like, what they don't like, and then just see what 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 the what the future holds for that mode. But we are working on that too. So Druids and that. Right. Um, when we made um, Godspeed, it was kind of my dream. This is Adam speaking. It was kind of my dream game to design because it was the kind of Euro that I want to play. And um, so, so that was kind of my baby. That was my, that was my dream project. And Clayton came along and made it so much better and so much more fun uh, and, and, and just added so much to that process. And so it, it became our game. Um, but Druids, which, which Clayton mentioned, um, Druids is sort of Clayton's dream game. Um, he's the co-op gamer, and 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 so and and he loves the thematic, story-driven stuff. Um, and 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 so I have come along and tried to make it fun and interesting and awesome, uh, and make it a game that I would like to play as someone who doesn't necessarily love co-op games all the time. Uh, I feel like Druids has such cool mechanics and such a fresh use of some things uh, and the way that it functions, that it's so intuitive and interesting for someone who doesn't necessarily love all the co-op stuff. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's a really great game and I'm glad that we've worked on that. We'll be doing some more stuff for sure, but those two projects, Godspeed and Druids have us um, plenty busy right now. Uh, I have a couple of designs that I've done uh, separately without clay um, and I've got some publishers looking at those. I've got a deck builder for, it's a two player deck builder, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, that's being looked at by a publisher. And I've got, uh, another worker placement Euro that's sort of, uh, the lighter side of midweight, but still midweight. And it's called wizards for hire. Uh, and it's, uh, being looked at as well. 
And so hopefully I'll have good news to share about those soon. Uh, but Clay and I certainly always plan to have something in the works that we're working on together for sure. Well, us Midwesterners have to unite. So we'll get you booked on the show a few more times here to, to promote those as well. Uh, no, you guys have some really interesting stuff going on for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, really. And I think the other piece too, that I think is worth mentioning is that I feel like sometimes if you're too experienced in something, you get a certain mindset that things have to be a certain way or that they are a certain way and having like a fresh bit of inexperience, even if you want to call it that can make you kind of come in and look and go, well, why isn't it this way? And I think that's where really good innovation happens. So I think that's what you guys have done here, I think with, with your team. So I'm really looking forward to playing this one and uh, man, just excited about what's going to be happening for you guys. And, and really, to be honest, I can't imagine a better guy than Jonathan Gilmore to be coming alongside of me to help develop my yeah, game. Really. We've, had a, we've had some real good advice. And I do think that being new to this and being fresh and kind of being dumb enough to make some weird suggestions and mistakes has been uh, helpful uh, in the process. But we've had some tremendous help, especially from a couple of our buddies, uh, Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle, who have designed a whole lot of games. Uh, we close to them. They've been really helpful for us, giving us some uh, good advice and some suggestions and some critique and stuff. And they're just awesome guys as well. But definitely them and John Gilmore, um, huge, huge impact on us and the way that uh, we're thinking about design right now. But we're super lucky to be with the folks that we're with and surrounded by the friends we have. Uh, and we're just loving the ride right now. Yeah. And I think that the the, the mantra that we've sort of lived by, and I don't know if this is going to be helpful to anybody out there that may want to try to design a game on their own, um, is actually it was mentioned uh, just by happenstance in one of Nathan's uh, blog posts, um, Nathan from Pandasaurus. Uh, Adam and I kind of constantly ask ourselves if what we're making needs to exist. And what we mean by that is if we're just making a game that somebody else has already made, why are we making it kind of a thing? And so we always want to make something that we, we're not sure anybody else is going to make, not because we're better than anyone else. Um, I think that Adam and I, I don't know that either one of us would ever even come close to having that thought. <laughs> nope. uh, but because maybe we're the only ones weird enough to give it a shot, or maybe we're the only ones that are thinking of it that way. And so we just think that it deserves to be made. And we've tried making things and they have failed. Um, uh, hard, you know, some things have crashed and burned very quickly. Uh, so there's a lot of trial and error, but whenever we actually make something so far, we constantly ask ourselves that question. And if it passes the test, then we continue making it. I love that because I've been sent so many games this year to do reviews on and cover. And I'm just going to say like a lot of games are in that this game's a four out of five rated game. It's really good. It's rock solid, but why would I play it over this other game? And there's, that's kind of the real estate we're in now. It's like, this game's great, but great's not good enough in some ways. It has to be unique and great talent kind of to keep a spot on my very finite shelf of games now. So I love that. Well, that's awesome guys. Anything else before we wrap it up here? No, just thanks for having us. Thanks for letting us talk about Godspeed a little bit. We're super excited for it. And we hope people go out and back it and buy 18 copies for them and their family. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, honestly, just again, thank you for taking the time out of your day um, to talk to us. You know, if you would have told us two years ago, we'd be being interviewed game that we have on kickstarter that's raised this much money we would have probably laughed in your face so the fact that you're actually interviewing us and, and asking us questions and everything is kind of an honor so honestly thank you to you and everybody else that's supporting 
uh, Godspeed in any way, whether it's a share on Twitter or Facebook or a back. Um, doesn't matter. All support helps, and it means the world to us to see people talking about it in any capacity. So thank you. Yeah, I love that. Hey, thanks, you guys. And go find kick, go find it on Kickstarter. Godspeed. It should have about 10 days left when this when this thing drops. Um, plenty of time to go find it and, and work it into your budget and get it bought. So uh, very cool, guys. Thanks again. So that was the team of Hargrave and Hill doing the Godspeed Kickstarter. Uh, this one's pretty big, man. I think at the time of this recording, it's it's approaching 200,000. So it's a big game uh, for sure. And I think it's big for a company like Pandasaurus, who's an up-and-comer for sure, but definitely not one of the big dogs yet. To have this big of a Kickstarter is probably important for them. And then even just be able to hear some games they have coming out in the future just Sounds pretty amazing and just really great guys overall. Yeah, I don't know a ton about this game, but I do know that the board looks huge. Like it looks like it's a pretty beast of a game. So yeah, I'm waiting to see when Rado plays it so I can learn more about it. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely cool. And like like I said, that trailer on their Kickstarter is worth the price of admission alone. So it's really cool. Um yeah, and thanks to those guys to take it some time to just talk to us. I I am almost positive we're going to have those guys back on the show at some point because they've got big things coming for them. And they are definitely people that I consider friends already. Um, they're the kind of people that after you stop doing the interview, you send them social media friend requests and start chatting up with them about just personal lives and stuff like that. So just loved getting to know these guys. Really just great people. Um, go out and support this game just because they're awesome people and the game looks rock solid. And everything I've seen about it says these mechanics that you wouldn't think go well together do go well together in this game. So I've heard some really awesome things. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing it myself. And uh, just really thanks again to Adam and Clayton for for doing the interview with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And man, we just hope your Kickstarter does great. And my dog does too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. This is one space game that I think I'd actually enjoy playing because it, it's got, got that like retro, like 1960s vibe. And I think that's kind of cool. Like the... Um, Mission Red Planet type deal. I like that vibe. So I'd definitely check this one out. Yeah. Alternate history, 1970s. Uh, pretty cool. And and then the other piece too is like when you do the auction part, you're bidding people. So it's almost like thematically the way I think about it is you have people go on a supply run. And so if you use your most powerful people, you're going to have a higher bid than people and get better choices, get better supplies. But then you've used those workers up for that round. And then there's also this asymmetrical thing too, where your leader is the same value and the same person, same role, but then your other roles all have different values on them. So your team might have really great combat leaders. And so you're going to be really focusing on the combat stuff while I'm really focusing on the, uh, you know, diplomacy stuff maybe. So uh, it's just really interesting how those different values, I think really impact the game. Then you toss on top of that, you know, some, some card play kind of stuff, some like just, worker placement and it doesn't seem like the game's super heavy i think we're figuring out in the game of, of board games you don't have to have a hundred rules in a game to make it a heavy game and i think this one's kind of one of those i think there's not a ton of rules there but there's plenty of game to play and plenty of game to explore so very cool super excited to, to play this one and the more i think about it the more i'm like oh i just got to get this one in my life so uh godspeed check it out from pandasaurus games and uh thanks again to them for 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 the third time for being on the show i uh, look forward to just seeing where those guys go yeah that board is gorgeous i'm looking at it right now That's yeah it's got some board. amazing art well and then like in the interview i talked about how when when dinosaur island came 
was like, Kristen, come look at this game. It's amazing. Like the components in that game are so good. And I'm, I, if it gets the Dinosaur Island treatment, we're going to be all, all really oh, happy. Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the other piece, too, is if you're a Dinosaur Island fan, but you're not sure about this one, they've got a little mini expansion that you can get for Dinosaur Island. That's totally campy and ridiculous, but it's $10. Oh, yeah. But backing this Kickstarter, <laughs> like you, you get like six space dinosaurs and like one worker that's like an astronaut, which is crazy. That is awesome. So, I need that. Yeah, pretty wild, man. So anyway, all right. Well, I've been Joel and keep and gaming. I'm Jason. Keep gaming. Yeah.